Greetings folks and welcome to the 35th edition of Weber's Whipping Post. I'm the grumpy old guy Weber and I'm delighted you took the time to listen in today. This episode is entitled The Five Greatest Guitar Pickers. Today I'm going to talk about Mike Pence and your social security, Gavin Newsom, what happens when you die, Colorado football, and some other material before finishing up with my latest opinion piece. But first, this episode came to you from the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Group. Everybody needs insurance, so why not buy it from the great folks at George Ryan Jr. Insurance who supports programs like mine. You can depend on George Ryan Jr. Insurance, so please go ahead and give George a call at 815-936-0075. That's 815-936-0075. Or you can look them up at their website and save on insurance. That website is grinsure.com. Hey, this message goes out to any potential Mike Pence voters out there, especially if you're on Medicare or Social Security. As our political royal class has spin us into a $33 trillion oblivion, Pence has decided to put its reduction on its radar if he's elected president. And it would appear he intends to do that by going after entitlements. Now, before I shut my mouth off, I made sure to look at exactly what is meant when a politician says entitlements. The biggest portion of entitlements in politicians speak is Social Security and Medicare. You know, those accounts we paid into our whole lives so that there was something for us to live on and be insured when we retired. Funny thing, when politicians bring up cutting or reforming entitlements, nothing is ever said about cutting all that overseas spending, such as the $100 billion forked over to Ukraine, or all the free social programs or endowments to a politician's favorite charity or business, or the governmental bureaucracy. Hey Mike, you submit a plan for all that other crap you guys keep wasting money on before going after programs we paid into. Now, I will give Mike credit on one of his proposals, though. He proposes to eliminate the Department of Education. Now, that's a start, Mike. Speaking of presidential candidates, California Governor Gavin Newsom said last week that Kamala Harris absolutely belongs on the 2024 ticket. This wasn't the only nugget of ridiculous information he laid out. He also said he isn't running for president which really means he's not going to run if Biden is running. Then he laid a real bomb on us when he said, and I quote, Biden-Harris administration, a masterclass in terms of performance, bipartisan deals on infrastructure, bipartisan deals on guns and debt ceiling. I mean, I think this administration's last two and a half years has been one of the most outstanding administrations the last few decades. He must have smoked a California fat one before making those statements. Have you heard anything lately about or from Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein's old squeeze? Me neither. So I looked her up on the internet. Couldn't find anything posted within the last three months, so it appeared this matter may have been successfully swept under the rug. Sure does beg the question why she didn't get her sentence reduced by naming names. Maybe she figures she's better off with a release date of 2037 rather than a death date of 2023. Have you been buying into all the Colorado football hype now that Deion Sanders is the football coach? 
Hard not to miss it, even if you're not a sports fan. I didn't know this, but Deion Sanders' son, Shadewer, is the Colorado quarterback and evidently a pretty good one as he leads the NCAA in passing yards per game. And his Buffaloes are 3-0 this year. He has the second highest NIL rating of $4.1 million. A NIL rating pertains to how much a college athlete is able to make at his or her share of revenues generated off his likeness. Shadur and his dad recently were interviewed on a Tom Brady podcast. Toward the end of the podcast, Dion asked Tom his opinion of something about his son that was evidently bothering him. Turns out the college quarterback used his NIL money to buy Rolls Royce, something every college kid simply has to have, I guess. What a statement as to where we've gone as a society. A college kid uses money he's getting paid to attend college, pro football's minor league, to buy a Rolls Royce. Brady, considered the greatest of all time quarterback, told Dion in a laughing manner, I think he needs to get his ass in the film room and spend as much time in there as possible and less time in that car. It's a mystery to me how Trump continues to be his own worst enemy at times. He's sitting in a huge lead in the polls for the Republican candidate for president, yet he did an interview on MSNBC, a network where he stands no chance of getting fair coverage. In the interview, he had to take a pot shot at Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Childishly calling DeSantis the Sanctus, he called Florida's six-week ban, which is the Heartbeat Protection Act, of abortion a terrible thing. First, I would bet most of the Republicans now polling for Trump are quietly leaning DeSantis's way should Trump lose any of his myriad of court battles. So Trump isn't making any inroads belittling DeSantis. Secondly, why in the world would he criticize the cautious policy of a fellow conservative on an issue that is sacrosanct with conservatives? Conservatives do not believe in abortion, period. So a ban trying to establish a principle is to be taken seriously, not ridiculed. Knock it off, Donald. This is why so many people despise you. The New York University Grossman School of Medicine is reporting our lives do flash before our eyes when we die, and there is brain activity up to an hour into resuscitation, according to Dr. Sam Parnia, Associate Professor of Medicine. He stated, we were not only able to show the markers of lucid consciousness, we were also able to show that those experiences are unique and universal. They're different from dreams, illusions, and delusions. Parnia is the lead author of the study published in the journal Resuscitation. They reported on brain activity and awareness in 53 people surviving heart attacks at 25 different hospitals in the U.S. and U.K. One patient who flatlined reported seeing his dad. Another told of the feelings coming over him. A third saw the consequences they had over thousands of people and what those people thought of them and the impact on their lives. 40% of the patients had memories or conscious thoughts after flatlining. Parnia also said our brain is very robust and is more resilient to oxygen deprivation than expected. It can restore itself and have markers of normal brain activity. Patients hooked to an electroencephalogram had spikes in the brain activity in gamma, delta, theta, alpha, and beta brain waves an indication of higher mental function. 
One patient said, I was no longer in my body. I floated without weight or physicality. I was above my body and directly below the ceiling of the intensive therapy room. I observed the scene taking place below me. Another patient claims he was given a choice. He came back to Earth due to having two sons. Parnia further stated, the review of their lives isn't in any particular order, but more of a dive into morality and ethics. What became a primary reality is how we treat other people. It's not random flashbacks. So much more. These are not hallucinations. Science does not know why the common experiences occur. Parnia thinks it's because the brain becomes so fully relaxed and disinhibited as it shuts down as a defense mechanism. I found this article interesting as I was in my parents' bedroom when my father passed away. It was certainly not a moment that I will ever forget. If this study has credibility, it has the potential to change everything we know about what's next in store for us. It could also affect the world both positively and negatively in how people comport themselves in everyday life here in this world. But then I wondered, is it only those 40%, those who had the near-death experiences, that are going into the next life, and the other 60% who did not have those experiences are not going to the next life? Thanks, Doc. You just gave us more questions without answers into the meaning of life. Oh, the humanity. A recent headline blurted, Americans are less than two weeks away from a federal government shutdown. The shouting and bickering, the wringing of hands, and the wild shouts of anguish are bouncing down the halls of Congress. The government is going to shut down. What should we do? The last time we were threatened with this was when the Democrats were doing the threatening. This time it's the Republicans' turn, and they are acting every bit the ass the Dems were the last time. Guess it goes without the territory of being a politician. The deadline is coming, folks, just days away for September the 30th. They will shout that we are $33 trillion in debt, and for the love of God, we just gotta do something like this. All you people capable of paying taxes need to tighten your belt because there's a bad moon arising. You that don't pay taxes don't need to fret. The taxpayers will pony up for the next grand scheme. Every year, the bastards in D.C. roll out this tired threat, and the complicit media regurgitate this to us doesn't grade unwashed, we're all supposed to fear it and just give them money or allow that $33 trillion debt to go up just a little bit more. Fact is, with a few exceptions, there isn't a politician in D.C. that cares because they know it will work out in the end. They're certainly not going to go unpaid, which is what happens if they shut down the government. They just have to scare everybody and allow a hero to come through at the last minute to kick the can down the road until next year and with a bigger deficit. The last time they actually did shut the government down was five years ago and lasted 35 days, but mostly over their Christmas break. Think of the money they didn't get spent for those 35 days, folks, and we all lived through it. This time, Republicans are shouting at Republicans and Democrats are just sitting back and smiling. Each group is using this, as usual, to their advantage while putting us in the middle. Some Republicans are treating this as a way to oust Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. 
It's crystal clear a government shutdown is coming, GOP rep Tony Gonzalez wrote on X Sunday. While this is going on, the Biden administration, oblivious to any reduced spending, or anything else for that matter, is asking for more money to keep his programs afloat. Get in line, Joe. There's a whole bunch of pork all those congressmen need to dole out. Biden was heard to say at a campaign reception, the best I can tell, they want to impeach me because they want to shut down the government. Wonder how many of those low-information voters believe that. Here's a neat story. Back in November of 2011, the Tennessee Volunteers football team was warming up before a game at home against the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Prior to the game, coach Derek Dooley was informed his starting kicker had not recovered from a previous injury and was not eligible. During the warm-ups, the backup kicker pulled a muscle. At this point, the Volunteers had no kicker. Meanwhile, back at a frat house at the college, freshman student Derek Broadus was sitting on a couch getting ready for an afternoon of watching his Volunteers football. Derek was actually their third-string kicker and had not been invited to address for the game. Dooley sent a cop to get his third-string kicker after all. It then occurred to him that they might have to check the sobriety of a college kid getting ready to watch a game on a Saturday afternoon. Brodus got a police escort back to the stadium. They did a breathalyzer on him, supposedly to make sure of his safety. Brodus passed a test, supposedly, and went on to kick three extra points in three tries and one field goal in one try. Did you hear that due to the large vegetable roaming the halls of Congress in gym shorts, sneakers, and hoodies, the venerable United States Senate has decided to drop the dress code requirements for senators? I kid you not. Rather than make Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman adhere to past dress codes, they instead decided to lower their standards to the lowest common denominator, which would be Fetterman, and allow casual dress for senators. The reason? Fetterman hates suits. But not so fast, you of the great unwashed. They did not lower the dress code for guests and visitors of the Senate. Men must wear ties and coats, and ladies must wear business attire. That's the problem today, folks. Dumbing everything down to the lowest common denominator. It's been going on for too damn long now, and it shows. That's the reason trips to fast food restaurants, which I've talked about before, are so aggravating. I've been spending too much time visiting medical clinics of late where dumb looks are plentiful, rude stares are free, apathy is at record levels, and intense analyzing of computers are routine. All this before asking me again, what's your birth date again? I kid you not, I was in the front of a line at a clinic the other day for 15 minutes just to drop something off. While I stood there, 12 people lined up behind me while three receptionists looked over the shoulder of one young woman, all four of them were trying to figure out the computer program to enter the information of one patient. One receptionist had to leave her station where she was getting information from another patient to join the party. They never looked up to see the rapidly growing line of people. It took me 25 minutes and two phone calls to drop off one item. Dummying down is the reason phone recordings waste your time and drive you nuts. Listen carefully as our menu has changed. Why did I want to know that your menu had changed? 
Further time is wasted as they tell you the message might be recorded for training purposes. Who the hell are they training? Another answering machine? Then there is the obligatory mission of asking you if you want this message in Espanol. Finally, you listen through a myriad of options that might send you to the right department or person so that you can hear yet another answering machine inform you for another five minutes why they are not available to answer the phone right now. C-level executives at public companies should have their bonuses reduced exponentially by the number of minutes they waste of a person's life waiting to make a simple phone call. Amazon is gearing up for the Christmas shipping season. Get this, they are hiring 250,000 people, full-time, part-time, and seasonal. It will cost them $1.3 billion to pay all those people at $20.50 per hour. Actually, they claim that the pay is going to have them over $20.50 per hour. But why didn't they mention the exact amount? What if they're paying $20.51 per hour? Does that give them the right to claim that they're paying over $20.50? I'm not trying to make light of Amazon folks. I think this is great that they have that many jobs to offer and hope they fill all of them. They've hired over 800,000 people in the past five years. UPS and FedEx will have similar hiring binges, perhaps getting some people off the couch and back to productive working. Maybe Amazon will allow a couple of them to know actually answer the phone when a customer calls. Did you see Hunter Biden is suing the IRS? Whoa, why did he just go tell Mike Tyson his mother is ugly too? He says they targeted and embarrassed him as if he's capable of being embarrassed. This guy that solicited sex and drugs on video is capable of being embarrassed? This is the guy who arranged for his own man to grant favors to foreigners and acted as an intermediary for the bribes and kickbacks. This is the guy who allegedly lied about his drug use, also on video, to buy a gun. This is the guy who was having illicit sex with his dead brother's widow. This is the guy who fathered a daughter and denied her for years. This is the guy selling awful sham artwork at ridiculously high prices based solely upon his father's name. This is the guy who forgot his laptop, which recorded many of his nefarious activities at a repair shop and was subsequently covered up by various government agencies that are beholden to Joe Biden. And this is what we know about. Think of what he did that we don't know about. Good luck with all your future audits, Hunter. General Mark Milley has done us all a great big favor. He's retired. Good riddance to his general wokeness. If you recall, Milley was the asshat traitor that called China twice to assure them he would let them know if Trump was going to invade them. In his place, Air Force General Charles Brown Jr. was confirmed the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff by the Senate on September the 20th. Have to wonder if they were all dressed in gym shorts, tennis shoes, and hoodies for the vote so as not to put too much burden on Pennsylvania's vegetable. Brown has been the Chief of Staff of the Air Force, having logged over 3,000 flying hours and 130 combat hours. Welcome, General Bout. May God help you overturn most of what Millie did. This podcast is brought to you by Jeff and Brandon Chero at Court Street Ford, now in their 40th year servicing the Kankakee County area. Stop by their showroom at 558 William Latham Drive in Bourbonnais and check out that amazing GT in the showroom. 
You can save up to $6,000 on a selection of Ford 150 pickups. Core Street Ford is open from Monday through Saturday, offering new car and truck sales, pre-owned autos, and vehicle servicing. You can call them at 815-348-7024 or check out their website at www.courtstreetford.com. Order the Ford of your dreams today. And now, for my latest commentary, which was called The Five Greatest Guitar Pickers. Microsoft Bing recently listed their five greatest guitarists in history. I chuckled that they thought they were qualified in producing such a list. How bad was it? Eddie Van Halen was listed by his birth name, Edward. Eddie wore short pants the last time that happened. The list got my juices pumping. First, in full disclosure, I can't even tune a damn guitar, and I own four of them. Those that know me, though, will tell you I'm a walking, talking encyclopedia and rock guitarist, so I'm qualified to A, speak about great guitarists, and B, dissect Microsoft's list. Microsoft's listed has their top five, Scotty Moore, Jeff Beck, Jimi Hendrix, Edward Van Halen, and Frank Zappa. You're probably wondering who Scotty Moore is. I was. I had to look him up and take a listen. He was Elvis Presley's guitarist. Who knew? He must have been listed for innovation rather than musicianship. If innovation were a reason to be on this list, we'd have to include Adolf Rickenbacker, the inventor of the electric guitar. Unlike most others, the late Mr. Moore's guitar picking sounds too 50-ish, in my opinion. The others listed have more timeless music. Zappa's name into this list was interesting. Zappa could play just about any instrument and play them well, probably including a rubber band stretched across two toothpicks and played with his nose. But Frank is just not top five stuff. Reviewing what other publications had to say, Rolling Stone magazine, usually wrong about everything, actually had reasonable picks. Jimi Hendrix, Dwayne Allman, B.B. King, Eric Clapton, Robert Johnson. Well, they got one right. Given bluesman Robert Johnson's recording career lasted only seven months, can he really be considered? And let's not forget that alleged deal between him and Satan at the crossroads. The more credible Guitar World magazine listed guitarist Brian May, Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy Page, Van Halen, and Clapton. A better list, especially for including the genius of May. In addition to playing amazing guitar for the band Queen, Brian May is also an astrophysicist. Then I thought, what would great guitarists say? I couldn't ask guitar gods like Hendrix, B.B. King, Van Halen, Chuck Berry, Dwayne Allman, or Stevie Ray Vaughan. Sadly, they've all gone to the rock and roll heaven where, you know, they all got a hell of a band. So I looked up to see the opinion of the man that actually was once called a guitar god, old slow hand himself, Eric Clapton. His list of grass guitar pickers is Allman, Muddy Waters, Johnson, Hendrix, and Prince. Eric always was partial to blues players. I've been to six Clapton concerts, which might be a clue who's on my list. By the way, his nickname was due to the amount of time it took him to replace a guitar string. I have a Spotify list of my 100 greatest guitar songs in the history of music. Guitars only go back to about the 15th century, so at least the greatest guitar music since the 15th century 
He's believed the guitar was invented in Spain around then and has probably looked more like a ukulele. So, without further ado, the official Weber's top five greatest guitarists of all time is as follows. But first, some honorable mentions. Neil Young, Peter Frampton, Buddy Guy, and Vince Gill. Great guitarists all. At number five is Keith Richards, considered the creator of rock's greatest single body of riffs on guitar, is the Stones guitarist. Strangely, the 80-year-old claims to have started his father's ashes with some cocaine. Number four on the list is Rory Gallagher. He's considered the greatest guitarist you've never heard of. He was an Irishman in the band Taste before going solo. Sadly, by the time I became aware of him, he was already dead. Number three was Carlos Santana, another musician I've seen six times. He appeared at Woodstock incredibly before releasing his first album. He bowed the audience with an 11-minute rendition of Soul Sacrifice. I'd tell you I was there, but I'd be lying. I was only 12 at the time. Number two is Eric Clapton. When one considers some of the greatest rock or blues bands, Incredibly, Clapton was in them. Yardbirds, John Mayles Blues Breakers, Creed, Derek and the Dominoes, Blind Faith, Delaney and Bonnie, plus his sterling solo career. Sadly, at 78, Eric seems to be slowing down a little bit. And the number one guitarist, in my opinion, is, and drum roll please, number one is David Gilmore. I cannot get enough of his picking. See him twice. At 77, he isn't slowing down much either. He performed the top two songs of Weber's greatest guitar songs with Comfortably Numb and Fat Old Son. Gilmore replaced the drug-induced, mentally ill Sid Barrett in Barrett's own band, Pink Floyd. Gilmore took the band to the heights of one of the greatest rock and roll outfits in history. Well, there you have it, my five greatest guitarists. Hope you enjoyed hearing about them as much as I did talking about them. Now, tell me why you disagree. That's all I got for you today, folks. If you like this podcast, please tell others. If you'd like to advertise on this podcast, please let me know. I could always use more sponsors. Check out my blog at www.weberswhippingpost.com. Thanks a million for listening. Bye now. Bye now.